Welcome to the Share His Light podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rachel. Today we are meeting with Brother Hegman, the president of the Institute, to discuss distractions. While he has never seen the classic movie, Sound of Music, he has plenty of insight to share. Enjoy. Welcome, Brother Hegman. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks, Rachel. So what are we talking about today? Good question. I want to go way back to my ninth grade year. Uh, prior to get, receiving my driver's license, uh, my friend didn't have his driver's license either, but we really wanted to go to a church dance. And uh, heaven forbid we walk there because we didn't have a license. So <laughs> it was about a mile away. So my friend said, hey, my parents are out of town. They just got this new sports car. Let's take that. Oh, my oh, gosh. <laughs> like an amazing but awful idea. Yes. You know, we don't think things through very well. So he comes and picks me up, and off we go to the dance. And we're going through the back roads, through the neighborhood, so we're not out on any main street, you know, because he doesn't have his license, and he hasn't really tried to drive very much. And anyway, we're cruising along through this neighborhood, and about that time, I thought it would be a good opportunity to put a piece of gum in before we get to the dance, right? So I have this package of gum that I start to open up and I'm looking down at it. Meanwhile, he uh, realized his cologne had dropped down on the ground and so he went to pick up the cologne. At the same time, I went to get my piece of gum. As he bent over to get the cologne, he took the steering wheel with him. (laughs) Oh no! And I'm not paying attention because I'm concentrating on my gum and my good breath. And at the same time, we looked up to see a mailbox right in front of the car. Now picture this, this mailbox has all these bushes around it and we're about to hit it and we do hit it. (laughs) And the mailbox goes up and over the car. He panics and hits the gas and overcorrects, and we go back through the entire street up onto the neighbor's lawn and hit their fence. Wow. We're both a wreck by this time. So now we're focused, and we're going to do the smart thing and call the police. But no, instead, we drove off really quick and drove back to his house, and we were a mess. And finally, he called his parents, who were out of town, and told them the news, and then the police came and all that good stuff. That was my first lesson with the importance of not being distracted. Literally, it was probably two seconds we were distracted, and it cost him getting his driver's license. He had to delay that for quite a while, not to mention the thousands and thousands of dollars of damage to his parents' car, this brand-new sports car, and the poor mailbox never stood a chance. (laughs) And so it's interesting. Since then, I've thought a lot about how often we can get distracted. We're hearing mortality for just such a brief time. We know why we're here. We know what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, and where we're trying to return to. And yet, it's so easy to get distracted. Second experience real quick that drove this home. When I went on my mission to North Carolina, Raleigh mission, the true and living mission, um, I my companion told me about this really cool magic trick that he had learned at the start of his mission. My trainer showed me this. And I said, I've got to get that magic trick. So he took, took me to this little magic shop. I got this disappearing handkerchief. I was going to do it, but I thought, yeah, yeah it's just not the same on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's real simple. I take a red handkerchief, and I wave it in the air, and I stuff it in my hand, and then it's gone. 
And I loved doing this because people were just baffled by this. I did it for a, a lady and her kids after a discussion, and, and she came up to me the next Sunday and said, I haven't been able to sleep this week. I cannot figure out how you did that. And then I would make it reappear from behind my collar. And people just loved this, and I thought, magic's fun. Magic's really fun. And so I started getting into some magic tricks. And when I got off my mission, I picked up some more magic tricks, and it was just so much fun. What's fun is when you get good, the whole principle behind magic tricks is simply misdirection. You have to get them to concentrate on something, and it's not what's really going on, but it's what they think is going on. And in that time where they're misdirected, that's when the trick takes place. And that sounds evil. I love misdirecting people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so fun that they just could not figure out how to do that. So taking those two examples of the car and, and magic tricks, I think I realized Satan uses that on me so many times. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm looking for. I have a patriarchal blessing. I have scriptures to remind me. I have thoughts and impressions. I have journals where I write these things down. I set goals. And then I can't believe how often Satan distracts me from that. And so that's what I hope to talk about just a little bit today is how uh, it's not something that I think any of us, if I said, uh, you know, where would you rank distraction in the order of serious sins? You know, most people are going to say, yeah, it's down there towards the bottom, right? And I think when Satan knows he can't get us to commit serious sin, if he can just distract us from doing that which is good, he can still oftentimes accomplish his same purpose to keep us from that end goal of, of doing the good thing. So I would love to ask Rachel and Rachel if I can ask the two of you a few questions about distraction in your age group in an effort. I'd like to learn a little bit more about the young adults and what you view as some of the distractions of your day and age. But instead of getting into a lot of the specifics, I want to talk about some of the principles. Um, so, for example, scripturally, where would you go to in the standard works to find a story where somebody was distracted? Um, I, when we talk about distractions, I normally think of Noah, like King Noah. And I remember I had to teach this to a primary class once, the story of King Noah, and how he had delayed going out into the battlefield with his people where at this time the kings always left. And then how he went up and he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he got distracted. And that led him on a path to do some pretty awful things and to keep himself or get himself very far away from God. And that's what I normally think of when I, with that question. I love that. I had never thought of that one before. It's interesting in that same story, it says of the people of King Noah and the eyes of the people were blinded. So there's this distraction there, right? That they don't even realize what's really happening right in front of them and yet they're you know they're putting up posters in their bedroom of king noah and we love this guy and yes he's raising our taxes and leading us into to horrible things and he won't go fight in battle but we love him and they were just blinded distracted misdirected so i love that example thank you rachel i hope my example makes sense um i would say jonah um 
he was told go to Nineveh, and he's like, that sounds like a terrible idea. And can we blame him? That's scary. Nineveh was not a happier or pleasant place at all. Um, but he let his fear distract his faith. Um, and that's something that I experience a lot is um, Satan is really good at making us fearful. And for me, I think a lot of the times um, he makes me so anxious or so fearful of something that I'm not able, like, I feel like I'm not able to overcome it. But as soon as I'm able to say, like, fear is not of God. And as a child of God, I'm better than this and I'm bigger than this. And I'm able to flip it and be like, I have faith that I can get through this. Then I'm able to accomplish what I need to, like, get done. But I think of Jonah for that reason, that he let fear override faith. That's a great example that teaches a great principle. Elder Maxwell used to always say, fear and faith make bad companions. So let me follow up and ask you, do you recognize when fear is keeping you from acting? Yes, most of the time. I think of testimony meeting, like fast and testimony meeting, um, when I don't want to speak because I'm like, that's scary. No, I don't want to get up in front of people and talk, which is funny because here I am doing a podcast. But <laughs> um, I hate getting up and speaking at church. It's no, I hope my bishop's not listening. Anyway, um, but I just sit there, like, and I know I need to get up, and my hands start sweating, and my heart's like pounding, and I'm like, oh no, I know I need to give up, like, get up. Um, and the way I feel anxiousness is the same way I feel fear sometimes. And so it's it gets confusing because I'm like, why is the Holy Ghost making me fearful? And it's like, no, he's pushing you till you're courageous enough to get up. And I had to flip my thinking on that, that it's the Holy Ghost saying, you need to do this. This is what I need you to do. And I'm going to make you so uncomfortable until you get up and do it. Not Heavenly Father trying to say, like, you can't do this. It's I need you to get up and say this. So do it. You know, that's, so that's my perspective on it. That's very true. I, it's kind of like the whole thing of like, you having to get outside your comfort zone to grow. Like the only way to build your testimony, well, one is to share it, which is normally completely uncomfortable because it's something so personal and makes you vulnerable, which most people don't really like being, right? I mean, I know that I'm not a huge fan of being vulnerable, which is why the podcast is an interesting thing because it's like sharing your testimony every day. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's true. But on top of that, I remember hearing about how like fear, I had never thought of it as a distraction before. So Rachel, thank you for bringing that up. But how this fear and anxiousness, it's the same kind of energy as like, I guess in in a way like motivation. And you just have to like flip it and like change the attitude that you have towards it as like, no, I'm just, I'm really excited to do this, you know? Even if it's a lie, like just change the, (laughs) change where you're putting the energy. Yeah. There was a Broadway actor who said, like, they were like, do you get anxious? He's like, no, I get excited, you know? And I thought that was awesome because he's like, they're actually the same emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, The way we feel them is actually the exact same. It's just how we personally choose to think about them. So when we get anxious, you know, saying, like you said, I'm so excited. excited. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited for this math test. So let me ask you, (laughs) fear is one you recognize then as a distraction. You know you're supposed to do something, and a testimony is a small scale. What if it's a little bit larger scale? For some, it's marriage, careers, moving, um, you know, a hundred different times in relationships. What about distractions that you don't know you're being distracted? Which, again, coming back to the magic trick, obviously if we knew where they distracted us, then we would figure out their tricks, right? 
but we don't pick up on it. We don't know where it was. They misdirected our attention. So how do you know when that's happening? How do you know when your attention is being diverted and you don't realize it? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So what are some of those things that, okay, we know we're supposed to be heading this direction or doing something and we're distracted. How do you know when you're being distracted when you don't know you're being distracted? I, um, so that reminded me of something. So I remember, I think somewhere in high school, I had joined this, this club and it started to meet over the summers, which made, well, one, it made going like to mutual hard because I always had stuff on Wednesday nights and then it made even going to girls camp. I couldn't go to girls camp and it just like made the yeet the slowly leaving from doing the activities and being more active in church and with the youth led me to the following year not like really paying attention in seminary or to find more things of like slowly slowly like not going to church or only going for the first hour and I didn't realize what was happening until I think I was at EFY the following summer and I had a spiritual experience where I just suddenly felt the spirit and I realized the difference of how I was feeling from that entire year before. So I think having a spiritual experience again and seeing the difference is really where we can realize that we've been distracted and led off the path. I love that. I love that because the principle behind that, what you just taught, which was beautiful, Jacob 4, when he says the spirit shows us things as they really are, as they really are. So in those moments where we know we're filling the Spirit, if we have the courage to ask for Heavenly Father to show us those areas in our life where maybe we become distracted, I think He will. He'll help us to realize, hey, look, uh, you're drifting. Other Richard G. Scott, I ran into him in the grocery store. Remember the corner of 12, right? At <laughs> yeah. 5 in the morning, after, <laughs> right after I got off my mission, I was stocking shelves. And we were in a grocery store that was open 24 hours. And at 5 in the morning, he came up to me and asked me where the mayonnaise were at. I got to show an apostle where the mayonnaise were at. It was so cool. So as we were walking through the store, I mentioned that I just got off my mission. And he stopped me and said, I want to invite you to do something here in the next little while. He said, I, I want you to go somewhere where it's quiet kneel down and have a prayer and then begin reading your scriptures and he said when you know you're filling the spirit I want you to set some goals for the next one year of your life for the next five years of your life and the next ten years of your life ten years I was, I was doing good if I looked ten days in front of me <laughs> and I still remember the Sunday night where I went in my bedroom and knelt down and had that prayer and opened up my scriptures and then started to set goals and he said to me that morning he said and then pull out those goals from time to time and see if you've drifted from where the Lord told you he wanted you going. And I've just never forgotten that. That's something I've repeated many, many times. And even this week, just to have a prayer right here in my office where we're doing this podcast and just ask Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, is there anything I need to stop doing or start doing? If you'll let me know, I'll stop doing or stop start doing that thing. And I'll just share with you that I had come to my mind very clearly an app on my phone that I needed to get rid of. And my first response was, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what, what's wrong with that app? 
Uh, and I found myself clinging to it, and I realized I, I'm like the rich young man. I, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to do anything. Don't, don't go there. That's, that's my app. That's my favorite app. And the more I've thought about it since is I've realized what a, a god that has become to me. I think about it a lot. I use it a lot. And you could justify and say, well, that's a good thing, though. It's actually an exercise app. But I had become obsessed with it. And, uh, and so I, I love that principle you taught, Rachel, that, that God will he'll help us to see when we're filling the Spirit things as they really are, if we want to. Sometimes we don't want to know, right? Yeah, I, there's a lot of times we don't want to know our weaknesses. or As you said, like, I'm just impressed the fact that you prayed and like, asked God like, what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing. Because I know for, they asked us to do that a lot. And that's something that's really hard. And I remember on my mission, I think it was our mission president, he was talking about how a lot of times when you do, like, it's something we need to do is to ask that. And God is always going to pick the one thing that we didn't put on the table. Because he knows that's the one thing that we, in the end, like, almost value more than his blessings or him. And he knows that that's what we need to get rid of. Amen. Amen. Which makes it hard, right? The rich young man, one thing thou lackest. No, not that one. He went away sorrowing. Right? And so, yeah, he does know. And and really, if, if you start looking... This is everywhere in Scripture. When I started really paying attention to how much this principle of distraction is taught there, from uh, uh, Corianton while he's on his mission to the Zoramites, and he gets distracted and goes after a harlot, and his dad's like, you should have known better of all people. I know she's drawn others away, but you should have known better. Uh, To David, who's up on his roof and is distracted by Bathsheba. Um, Nehemiah, one of the, this isn't a really well-known story, but in Nehemiah chapter 6, where the enemies of Nehemiah are trying to get them to stop building the, the walls around the temple. And they want to destroy Nehemiah ultimately. And so they keep coming and telling him, hey, stop working on these, these temple walls. And I love his, his response to them. He says, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. I love that. Can you imagine if that was our response to Satan every time that he tried to distract us with that next thing that's just going to take our time and cause us to waste it? Um, If we just said that, I I don't have time for that. I I know who I am. I know why I'm here. And I've got to focus on that which matters most. One day in seminary, a student was sharing a devotional at the start of class. And as we opened up the scriptures to go to where she was going to share, all of a sudden my eyes fell on the other page across from the scripture she was sharing. It's one of those moments that you thought that verse was written for me. I'm sure I've never seen it. (laughs) I know it was just for me. And it was this. It was Doctrine and Covenant section 30, verse 2. And I read that day in seminary. Your mind has been on the things of the earth more than on me, your maker. The Savior said, look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not. And I knew that things started coming to my mind again that I needed to to get rid of. So if this really is a big deal, this whole distraction thing, we ought to be hearing about this in general conference, right? If prophets, seers, and revelators see and warn, 
they should be talking about this in general conference, right? So I went and did a general conference search. Now get this. In the 10 years I was in junior high, high school, on my mission and a year of college, in general conference, the word distraction was used 10 times in a decade. If you go back to the last decade in general conference, 129 times wow. <laughs> the word distraction has been used. Uh, uh, can I share one of those quotes? Yeah, of course. See if you can guess what year this was given by one of the words in this quote. This is Elder Holland, and I won't tell you the year. He said, at the far end of the spectrum, we come to an entire universe of distractions. Never has there been more information, misinformation, and disinformation, more goods, gadgets, and games, and more options, places to go and things to see and to do to occupy time and attention away from what is most important. All that and much, much more is disseminated instantaneously throughout the world by electronic media. This is a day of deception. That's interesting, isn't it? He went on to say this, and you think of it's gotten more or less since he, <laughs> since he gave more. it, right? He said, what were in my generation carefree moments in movie going, TV watching, and magazine reading have now, with the additional availability of VCRs, <laughs> which is dated, right? The internet and personal computers become amusements fraught with genuine moral danger. I put the word amusements in italics. Did you know that the original Latin meaning of the word amusements is a diversion of the mind intended to deceive? A diversion of the mind intended to deceive. Unfortunately, that is largely what amusements in our day have again become in the hands of the arch deceiver. Wow. And it can happen. To, it happens to everybody. Everybody is distracted to some degree or another. I dare say probably all of us multiple times a day where we're focused on something and something grabs our attention and distracts us. Most seriously is when we... In First Nephi 8, make it all the way to the tree, and we partake of it. And then the little phrase here, and they did cast their eyes about. They're distract. They have to have this fruit that's better than anything they've ever tried. And now all of a sudden they're looking around, they're distracted, and they see the large and spacious building. And they let go of the fruit, and they wandered off and were lost in strange paths. That's an interesting word, strange. So I promised Rachel and Rachel we wouldn't get into too many specifics about things that distract us, right? Because there's a million of them. So if we focus on one, uh, what's important is just to focus on the principle. Um, so in your mind, if you were going to, I just said we're not going to do this, but I want you both to do it for just a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> in your generation, what do you see two or three of the biggest distractions that keep people from focusing on what they're really here for, what really matters. I don't know if I would like say those are specific because I think we all have ones that are unique to us. Um, but personally, um, when I look at something and I'm and I think to myself, is this bringing me closer to God? Is this something that's strengthening my testimony? Is this something that is good, right? Because all good things come of God. Is this something that is doing those things collectively? And when I kind of break it down like that, I'm like, okay, no. Or, yeah, I'm doing great. Let's keep going. Um, 
But when that answer is no, having to face myself and be like, how do we get better? That good, better, best. Because sometimes distractions aren't bad. There are some things that are good, right? Like your fitness app, that's awesome. Like you were being healthy. That's so cool. And God said, delete it, right? (laughs) And it's just because maybe it was pulling you further from God. Maybe it was distracting you, right? Um, So those are the kind of things because distractions aren't always bad. But in my situation, that's what I've noticed in myself. And sometimes others is like, is there something better we could be doing with that time? Is there something better that we could be doing to serve others or to draw us closer to our Heavenly Father? Good, good. We all need to unstring the bow, so to speak, at times, right? Joseph Smith used that analogy, or else it loses its spring. So you've got to find those things that wholesome recreational activities is what it says in the the proclamation on the family, right? So I'm glad you brought up that point. Thank you. I... I was going to bring up the good, better, best. Because mm-hmm. distractions, like as you said, like they're not always bad. Like our phones, a lot of times that gets blamed for so many distractions because it's such a integral part of our lives. But if you look back on, I guess, past like conference talks and anything, technology in your phone is something that God gave us. Right. It's to help us have the scriptures more available to us to be able to look back and have the resources that we need in order to answer the questions and the everything that's going on right now, all the trials that we're facing. They're more readily available. Also to do family history. That's a huge one. I've heard so many times that technology and the computer and our phones are the reason that we can come so far in family history and finding more about our ancestors. And so it's not bad Like these are things that are blessings and come from God and are divine, but it's how, like, right, how Satan has changed it, right? There are so many things that we can can go bad using things that God has given us if we don't use it correctly. Great point. You've listed a couple of the wonderful apps that are out there to help, you know, the Gospel Library, the Family Search. Did you know there's almost one million gaming apps on just the App Store? There's so many. Just for the iPhones. Almost a million games out there. It's amazing. Um, so anyway, I appreciate you pointing out some of the good, that we can use all these things for good as well, and, and seeing if it is something that's helping us draw closer to, to Christ. What I've noticed with my phone the most is so often it keeps me from being present in the present <laughs> with those who are present. Um and I'm realizing that's one of the greatest gifts that I can give when I'm with my family or other people's just being present. Why do I have to look away every time it vibrates? I, I feel like I've been conditioned. It takes me back to all those Pavlovian lessons that I learned in psychology that it buzzes and I have to. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I have to see who's texting instead of remaining in that conversation and being present uh, with them. We don't want to digress and talk about specifics here. I will just say there was a man by the name of Ryan today in West Jordan who thought he could be distracted for a minute on his phone and just looked down and just drifted enough that he came into ongoing traffic down on 90 South, hit a car, spun him around, two more cars hit him. He was the one person that died at the scene. Wow. And it was just from being distracted literally for just a few seconds, right? It was just enough that he drifted on the oncoming traffic. That's physically, spiritually just being aware of when we're starting to drift because of something, whether it's 
it, it can be anything, right? Again, we want I want to stay away from very many specifics, but I do want to. If it's okay, can I share a scripture to end with? I know we got to wrap up. You can always share a scripture. Yay. <laughs> How do you say no to that, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love the story of Peter seeing the Savior come out on the water at night. And, and being terrified, and yet when he realizes, when the Savior announces who it is, Peter says, if it is you, bid me to come out on the water. And what's the Savior's response? Come. And Peter has the guts to get out of the boat and to start to walk like no other mortal has ever done on top of the water. And then it says, he takes his eyes off the Savior and begins to notice the waves that are all around him, and he begins to sink. And the Savior, grasping him by the hand, lifts him up and then just teaches him that principle, why did you doubt? As if to say, why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you worry about the wind and the waves? You had this. You had this. But you let yourself be distracted for that moment, and it made all the difference, Peter. Peter learned a great lesson that lied about uh, about not getting distracted. The only person never to get distracted for even a minute was the Savior. I, I love in the book of John, John seems to want to point this out over and over again, where Christ says in John chapter 4, after talking to the woman at the well, and, and uh, his disciples return and they say, hey, can we get you something to eat? And he says, I already have meat that you know not of. And they're like, uh, who brought you food? <laughs> and he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The first thing he says when he appears to the Nephites, I have done the will of the Father from the beginning in all things. Now, I recognize I've got a long ways to go before I'm doing the will of the Father in all things and not getting distracted at all. But what I've learned is I want to be a speedy repenter. And when I realize that I'm being distracted, even in the moment that I repent, that I put my focus back on the Savior. Section 109 of the Dedicatory Prayer of the Kirtland Temple. I love what, uh, what Joseph prays for in that prayer. Let's see if I can lay my hands on it. So this is in section 109, verse 21. And when thy people transgress, any of them, they may speedily repent and return unto thee and find favor in thy sight. Uh, It's been my experience when I recognize I've been distracted from what I'm really supposed to be doing and will repent. He's so gracious to, to forgive and the spirit returns. And that's just my, my humble testimony that uh, if we're willing to ask that question, where am I being distracted? What would you have me start doing or stop doing? If you'll tell me, I'll do it. Um, I, I testify he will show us. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was amazing. I loved your insights. Thank you for those examples you gave from the scriptures. I had never thought of those. I thought those were fabulous. Well, thank you for all that you taught us today. It was really insightful to talk with you. Until next time, Brother (laughs) Hegeman. I get to listen in all the rest and don't have to worry. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Share His Light podcast. Make sure to check out the Institute Instagram at Logan Institute of Religion for more updates. Be sure to let us know your thoughts. Tune in Tuesday for the next podcast. Peace Peace out from from the Rachels. Rachels.